Hello, everybody, and welcome. This is People Have Corona, another special pandemic episode of the People Have Color podcast, summer season, July 2020. I'm your host, Corinne Mills. Thank you for joining me today. Girl, girl, have you heard what's going on at essence.com.org.co? The Essence Magazine of the Black Women. Have you heard this thing that's happening there? No, I had not heard it either. No, I had not. I had not heard a thing about what was going on at theessence.com until I listened to a podcast this past... Friday? I don't remember what day it was. Oh, it was Friday. It was Friday. And I was getting ready to go on a day trip with my child. And I'm listening to my favorite podcast. Uh, my favorite one woman podcast. It's called Ratchet and Respectable. Shout out to Demetria L. Lucas, the host of that show. I listen to it for inspiration for my own one woman podcast that I'm doing these days. And because I really enjoy it. Like I'm kind of a podcast addict right now. And aside, I have recognized that I rely on podcasts these days through this pandemic as an outlet for myself to feel like I'm involved in adult conversations more than I actually am. The volume of adult discourse that I would like in my life is not available to me. So I fill that void and I also keep myself from going nuts as a primary caretaker to my six-year-old child through this pandemic moment by overindulging in podcasts. So that's what I do. And so I was just like, you know, needing something in my ears. And so this Friday, it was ratchet and respectable. And in the second half of the podcast, Miss Lucas gets into this thing going on at essence.com. Apparently there's been some turmoil, an uprising of sorts, an anonymous letter, and a collective has formed calling itself Black Female Anonymous. They've written a letter, they've posted it on Medium, they have demands essentially to address a toxic work culture and demanding the departure of the entire C-suite involved in Essence. That's the CEO, Rich Dennis, uh, the publisher, the editor-in-chief, all all the people at the top, basically, blaming them for a toxic work culture and demanding a change under the cover of anonymity. This happens on like a, I think this happened on Wednesday or Thursday. Oh, no, wait, it happened prior to July. So it happened about a week ago, a little over a week ago. And by Thursday of this past week, Rich Dennis had stepped down. So by the time that podcast that I was listening to came out, Rich Dennis had stepped down. So that's why it wasn't reported on that podcast, but it had happened. And then the following day on Friday, the other Everybody else is gone. Or or by Saturday, everybody else is gone. 
they did remove the entire C-suite. They have named a new interim CEO, a black woman from Target, you know, from Target Corporate. Her name is Carolyn Wanga. She looks dope. At least her photo does. When I'm done recording, I'm going to watch her YouTube video that she has posted on her LinkedIn page about authenticity. She looks like the change you want we want to see in the world. And so far, she's come out to say in full support, essentially, of the position of Black Female Anonymous to say, yes, we are going to make some changes. We are going to pursue an internal review. We are going to hold things together. We're going to fix and flourish, essentially, are the words she used. Fix and flourish. We're going to do both at the same time. Walk and chew gum. That's what we're doing here at the essence of the future and the present. And it's future-based feminine leadership. I mean, for real? First, I have many things to say. First, toxic work culture at essence. Not surprising to me. Just simply not surprising because it's a high-performing media company, a a high-performing media product. And by and large, American work culture is toxic. Point blank, period. It is. It's why I do the work that I do to address workplace culture because it does need to shift. It is unsustainable and it does suck for most people. Most of us are submitting daily to an authority we do not respect, we do not trust. Without our own interest in mind, we submit to organizations for pay. We submit to an exploitative, toxic culture, and we live on a, an endless hamster wheel that cannot sustain us, which this pandemic has laid bare and has created the moment for this social uprising and upheaval we find ourselves in. That's the reality of the times that we live, and so I'm certainly not surprised to hear that this thing is going on at Essence. I, I say all that to say I don't work there, never have worked there. I do have a magazine editorial background, and I actually know several editors at Essence Magazine, but I don't know personally the environment and the context. So I'm not speaking from fact and personal firsthand knowledge of the culture there, but I'm also not going to cast aspersions on Black Female Anonymous because by the looks of things, they ain't no joke. They are certainly not a joke or a game. And that is also not surprising to me. And another thing that I do and practice and try to model in my work is validation for adults and to consider taking myself and others seriously, starting from a place of respect, of self-respect and respect for others so that you can have a productive dialogue to move you forward you know, give respect to get respect is essentially the baseline of that. And and then also listen to people, give them the benefit of the doubt. Start from the benefit of the doubt until you have a reason not to, and you'll get further. Because when there is no evidence-based answer, when you are in a subjective space, which is where relationships live, relationships live in a subjective space, and we are in relationship with everyone, that we come into contact with, who has an impact on our lives, who we work with, who live in our neighborhoods, who attend our schools, who care for our children, who provide us service, 
who provide us repeat service uh, at your local conveniences and uh, your what wherever you shop. And we live a, a connected life. On and offline, we live a connected life where it pays to respect each other. So I, I do pay respect because it pays me dividends in return. So beyond that, I'm just going to give benefit of the doubt respect to this collective Black Female Anonymous because they did not come to play with us. They are about their business. They are clearly a highly competent, highly effective group of media professionals who know what the fuck they're doing, which is why their game is so tight in terms of this statement that they've come together with, their organization behind the scenes, and essentially the way they're they're calling these plays to this point. I just wanted to call that out, that there's great power in who even knows how many people it is, but there's great power in their anonymity because of the toxic nature of all American workplaces, of the American work culture, because of retaliation, because we are pitted against each other by default, because we, are, we need a new normal where we are not pitted against each other in a versus context, always. We seek as futurists, as people seeking our own liberation, we seek safety and we seek peace and joy and freedom and that is a different context than any of us are used to as a baseline for expecting pay for work we approach the workplace with our guards up and this is such an old deep problem that we constantly grapple with that our ancestors grappled with, not to mention the slaves who are our ancestors, but our just one, two generation, just our parents. We saw our parents struggle at work and we see ourselves continue to struggle at work and we see work become increasingly oppressive, not less so, but more so. We work harder today for less. The wealth is greater and people's personal comfort is less. People's personal ability to take a break and a breath, even in, in, and especially in this moment where we all need to be able to press pause for civilization to literally continue, we can't afford to. Things are not improving in terms of the way our economy works. I am speaking specifically for an American context. I know you can extrapolate this uh, to other systems and and cultures and nations but I'm not doing so and I don't have the the insight and awareness and and I don't have the stuff to do that to do that I don't I don't know other cultures in the way that I know my my own and so I'm speaking to it specifically because this is my shithole country (laughs) right now I'm in this country right now that is deeply struggling through a deep dearth of national leadership and through intense intensifying crisis due to a pandemic out of control an economy in a tailspin and a growing rising unrest that needs to be addressed so in terms of 
the future before us, the future at hand, because I truly believe there is no going back. Certainly not for me, not for my family, not for myself. My husband is, is starting to really get it. My my very big, large, strong, white, male, blonde husband, successful, cis, white, hetero husband is starting to get on board with the fact that his family is never going back to a status quo in which we don't touch the ways in which the system is not working for us and for the and for our neighbors where our priorities are about our car and our vacation budget we're not going back so in the ways in which I'm not going back and I'm holding to my purpose which is to be engaged in more than artifice and superficial distraction. My commitment is to speak truth to power at every opportunity, in every moment, in every way, and I am struggling to do so. And what has come up for me, particularly since I restarted this medium for myself of speaking into this microphone to make sense of my own theory and point of view through this time is that I am also deeply programmed as deep and thoughtful and mindful as I as I know that I am and like to see myself as I am also so mired in a program that I'm raising my awareness around but that has taught me and that I have taught myself and that I have raised myself in understanding my own place and how to keep myself safe And I've taught myself many toxic things and I've held myself to many toxic things that are hard to release. It's really hard for me to release the comfort of others around me. The awkwardness of when, you know, when you're with acquaintances, like I find myself these days doing so much for my son, for my six-year-old who is an only child and isolated for his safety and ours. And so we're very cautiously creating outdoor play opportunities for him with other children. And I find myself seeking out and pursuing these opportunities in all kinds of ways in my new neighborhood, which I mentioned last time, my new white neighborhood in Atlanta. And this weekend was the 4th of July and we met a lot of neighbors because they were out in the street doing fireworks and we were looking for fireworks. We didn't know what the deal was in this town. And we found ourselves socializing with new neighbors. This entire neighborhood is full of young families and children, young to medium age families and children. My son found friends immediately and, and did his natural kid thing where he just went off with new friends. And I found myself being drawn into neighbor conversations with my almost entirely white new neighborhood. And there was the neighbor who was introducing us around, who knew everyone. There was the neighbor seeking eagerly to ingratiate herself with us. Okay, I stand out as the only black woman visible anywhere. And so this woman comes over and immediately begins credentialing herself to me about how she's 
some version of an ally, right? Or some version of like welcoming me into the neighborhood. And I find myself having this awkward banter. Awkward, awkward, awkward. Where I'm just being polite and cordial and getting to know everyone and curious, actually, honestly, earnestly curious about my neighbors and what opportunities we have on this block to grow relationships, particularly for my son. And trying to figure out, you know, just to orient myself, because this is not how we do it in New York. We don't actually get into it with our neighbors in this way. It's not a thing like that in New York. You don't even have to know your neighbors in New York because everybody's lives are so likely spread so much further than their block. That's how it is in New York. It's like you work way far away from your house. You commute to work in somehow, some way. And your favorite things could be any damn where. It could be in a, in a different borough. Your favorite bagel place, your favorite coffee shop, your favorite dry cleaners. Your, every damn thing you do doesn't even have to be anywhere near your house. So it's just different. And, and also there's not that Southern hospitality thing of where you wave and smile to every single person you pass. You just don't do that in Brooklyn. So I'm having that culture shock experience here. And trying to be chill about it and also, you know, trying not to be my own version of like racist and closed off. Like, okay, all my neighbors are white and all my neighbors are white and we're in this moment of reckoning with race relations in this country and I'm a black woman and I identify increasingly as black in America and that tells me that we are stratified. Like, the older I grow, the more deeply entrenched I feel in this race dynamic in a way that I did not feel as a child. So I'm trying to stay aware of that and not block my blessings, for lack of a better term, that, you know, I'm here and, okay, I'm the only black person anywhere I can see. (laughs) But it's actually been made fairly clear to me that my neighbors want to engage so I don't want to be the only one not engaging but I am grappling with this thing of how do I engage now that I'm not gonna just pretend anymore how do I engage and also no longer pretend and the pretend which is my lifelong training is that I care or like that I'm not uncomfortable like what is even the pretend I can't even call it what is this little pretend thing that we all do I did it today I had this little pool date for my child and these people invited us to hang out with their child in the backyard because they have an above ground like pool and it was really nice of them and they were really nice people but we don't know each other so we're doing the banter thing and it's not super fun and I guess that's just how it is when you meet somebody new I just wonder, like, if I was in a black neighborhood, would it have been more comfortable for me? And I really think it might have been. I really do. And I'm probably just imagining something that's not real because that's not what actually happened. What actually happened is I was in a white neighborhood with white folks and they were perfectly nice and it was awkward and uncomfortable. And nice. And so maybe I'm just a spoiled American who is expecting too much from my social life in a pandemic. But when I'm talking about the pretend, I'm talking about 
I don't know. In a way, it's maybe even like wanting to be more European. (laughs) Wanting to do that thing where, like, have you ever been to Europe where people don't smile on your face? They'll give you directions or serve you at a restaurant and never once smile at you or make you feel better about being alone (laughs) or whatever it is that you're hoping they might that you're expecting them to smile at you for. And it's just a different culture. It's not actually that this person is awful. It's that they don't do that there. They don't, they don't fake it in that way in other, in, in France, for example, or Poland. So I've heard, but certainly we all do here as Americans. We all put a fake smile on it. That's what I mean is I am over fake smiling period full stop. I don't want a fake smile at another person ever again literally ever so can I can I do that can I sit in that discomfort and do that we'll find out because <laughs> because I'm starting to practice and so that's what I'm saying is I'm really working on practicing that on being honest and being okay with the discomfort of my honesty when my whole life I have learned that it's not okay to be uncomfortable in this way or to accept discomfort in that way or to not apologize for myself in that way of explaining away awkward silences or a lack of approval for something someone else just said to you. You know, someone says to me the other night that they have their child in a different charter school than most of the neighborhood does because they want to be at a school that's more academically rigorous and at a school that prioritizes closing the achievement gap for underprivileged children, which I have personally come to recognize as code for indoctrinating black and brown children into a white supremacist construct of obedience indoctrinating them into a status quo of obedience that is the breeding ground for the toxic work culture that we named up top, which is deep obedience, non-questioning of authority, and passively policing oneself and accepting your own over-policing for the sake of quote-unquote getting ahead, which is you know the dirty trick of actually never getting ahead. Because that conforming to a system where you're not free is why we not free. Is why not none of us free. Is why we live on this hamster wheel. So anyway, I'm way (laughs) far from where I started, which is my way. But my point is I'm just very, very impressed and stimulated by this story at Essence. And I just like... This is where the sound effects would come in if I had a a deeper set of skills as an audio producer, (laughs) which I don't. So, um, or my six-year-old was here to beatbox and do some sound effects for you. This is where they would go because what? Essence is here for its reckoning. And it's because it's part of the same system. It used to be owned by Time Inc. They came from Michelle Ebanks, too, who's been at the damn company for like 20 plus years or some shit like that. Michelle Ebanks is the old publisher of Essence. And 
is now on the board, still sits on the board, even though they asked her to excuse herself as well. <laughs> Apparently she, like they lay a lot of the toxicity and the breeding of that culture at her feet. Again, I don't damn know the details. I, I don't work there. I never have, but this is what they're saying on the medium essay read it and I just I can't believe it because it's by black women for black women and they are out here like we do not want essence to fold but it's time is up the time for business as usual at essence is up so fold or fix it essentially is what they said and I'm just like what word word essence word black female anonymous I click follow I'm following because this reckoning is happening everywhere I actually was reading about it and I read about it at the New York Times sorry in the New York Times article and they named where it's happening everywhere else is that it's happening also at uh, Bon Appetit and to a larger extent at Condé Nast at also at the New York Times at the Philadelphia Inquirer at the Wall Street Journal at the Washington Post and at the Pittsburgh Post Gazette and at Refinery 29 and on and on and on and on at a number of different places as you know I mentioned a few of them last time as well and in other industries and certainly in the movie industry although I haven't heard much about that but I come from that business as well and I I do know firsthand how toxic it is I do know firsthand how toxic the magazine business is and any place that's any media company in this country, because our media, magazines, print publications, TV, books, the National Books Critics Circle just imploded recently as well over this racial reckoning. Because we're at this time's up moment where a toxic work culture can no longer stand, will no longer stand. Perhaps this economy will get back to its regular ways of oppression and hasn't fully abandoned, by any means has not fully abandoned those things. These are not signs that it's over and we've clicked whatever the button is to, to make it flip from black to white or vice versa. That's not how it goes. It's not an on off switch. It's a long road to the beloved community. But these things, these reckonings are happening and popping up all over, particularly in our media businesses because media is where we communicate as a culture and it's where we push all the myths and stories and, and big picture messages of what it means to be American and what we share as a culture. And those messages are fucked up and toxic. They're about how good the police are, even though the reality is something different. About how good and benevolent whiteness is. About who our heroes are, about who's beautiful, about what kind of sex is appropriate. All of these messages we get, and we start to keep an eye on it as our children begin to watch. Some of us, I know that I am and that my peers are, are mindful about what our children are watching, but also the flood of information through the internet, etc., is so great. And our need for childcare also so great that we let many messages just flow through that we don't control or, and don't curate. And that's how we learn our status quo and we learn what's appropriate and what's not and what's tolerable and what's not and what's okay for us and what's not. So I'm not surprised that the media businesses where the media professionals work, where people who are professional communicators 
and professional liberal arts educated Americans work and build their lives and rely on sustaining themselves by working in a field that's communicating and that's supposed to be sophisticated. I'm not surprised that we're finding in these areas people who cannot bear the rhetoric anymore, not matching up to the reality through this moment. I'm not surprised that Black Lives Matter has extended into fix it or fold at Essence Magazine because we cannot push justice and equality for all from prison, from a work environment where we are not free, not by and large, not in a way that's not actually an evil conspiracy. That's the proof that it's not an evil conspiracy. It is a bunch of people waking up to the light. It is a bunch of people that are like, you know what? No, this is a long time coming. And here we are at change is going to come. And we don't actually know how we're going to make it happen, but it's here and it's coming and it's not stopping. And this is one step at a time. And I'm following to see how it's going to go. And I actually think that this essence model, Black Female Anonymous, is something we should all be keeping our eyes on because history teaches us that the Black women shall lead us. And our current times are showing us that these Black women have their shit all the way together. Things that put me on alert are the acrimony. The fighting is the master's tool, and it's only going to take you so far. In Audre Lorde's words that the master's tools will never dismantle the master's house, a brawl is not going to get it done. A war is not going to get it done. A war is not going to get us to the beloved community. Though we may be at the point of war inevitably. It's not an end point. It's the way it's always been. War is the way it's always been. So if we're talking about something new, we literally don't know what that is. We, we are imagining it. We are forging it together. We none of us actually know better than anyone else. But collectively, we do. Collectively, we do have the wisdom and the potential and the skills to do this shit. We just have literally never seen it before. And we have to keep our eyes peeled for where it's popping up. And this is one place. So I have my eyes on it tight. While everybody else is watching Hamilton, I'm watching the Black Female Anonymous social media. Tune in with me, please. And tell me what you see. I intended to talk about several other things, including Hamilton, which my family watched on Hamilton Day, which was Friday, July 3rd, and was blown away by it, led by my six-year-old, who's been leading us through the soundtrack for the past month. And I'm blown away by you know, my old college classmate, Lin-Manuel Miranda's feat of strength. It's incredibly impressive what this man and this team of deep dope artists created and pulled off. I mean, it was quite an, an incredible, impressive thing. I'm not the first to say that. And I'm hearing that critique that it's painful and harsh and hard to accept yet again another whitewashing of the place of slavery and the founding of this nation through the performance and the gifts of black and brown artists. That's painful and real. 
and and still requires a reckoning at which we have not yet arrived so that's all I have about that I don't that's not resolved for me I will watch Hamilton again because I certainly didn't get it all the first time it's quite literally too dense literally too dense in words for me to get it all the first time and those performances I mean my god I will watch that again obviously so that's all I have to say about Hamilton film Uh, we're watching it again and I'm not reconciled with it and I can't wait to see more and hear more I'm, I'm mostly interested in the event of it and the fact that it's here anew again for people for me for people who had never seen it who missed the Broadway experience have it now available on film and the new moment of it I'm here for that and I want to hear everyone's thoughts about it so with that I'm going to close I think I said it all I said everything I had to say for today there's always more to say you will hear through this podcast from here going forward my truth to power my continuing to practice my discomfort so that I can stretch and grow into a new reality where I'm not performing comfort and satisfaction and approval for you so that you will approve of me that's my contribution today to anti-racism and also uh, continuing to pursue this understanding of the myths of this culture which I have long believed come primarily from movies. Movies teach us who we are as Americans, and they have very strict, clear rules about their morality and how they teach morality and ethics and the operating instructions of this culture. And you can read and teach them to yourself and to your children. So that will continue to unfold through this podcast and all media, but led by movies. So I say all that to say... If you heard me today and you have something to say, please send me an email. If you know anything about Black Female Anonymous, whose great power is in that anonymity at this moment, please spill it to your girl. Peoplehavecolor at gmail.com. If you have anything to say about Hamilton, the film, hashtag Hamilfilm. And if you think I need to read, watch, or listen to something that I appear to be ignorant of, send it let me know people have color at gmail.com thanks for your time today i'll see you soon with more shit talk for the cause and if you like what you heard if you want to hear more if you want to say more smash that subscribe button subscribe on apple podcasts or on soundcloud i love you for listening take care peace